Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Luke chapter 8, and I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Verse 1 says this, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. He'd been on the Evangelism 360 course. The twelve were with him. And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. A big shout out to all the women who support. Come on. Praise God. We hear a lot about the 12 disciples, but not much about these. But it says there's a lot of women here. And they support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering, it says, verse 4, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and it was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered, because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop, a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, Whoever is ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and that the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they don't mature. Verse 15, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Amen. Come on. I want to talk to you today. The title of this message is this, Faith Frequencies. Faith Frequencies. Jesus said this in verse 8. He said, whoever has an ear... Let him hear. I find it interesting when I read this, this, this story of Jesus sharing this parable. And Jesus shared many parables. He, he talked a lot using parables. And this was something that fulfilled the Old Testament prophets about him, that he would speak in parables. But he shared parables to show uh, spiritual truths in simple stories. 
analogies that would help people understand. But it's interesting because he shares this parable. And the next thing that happens is his disciples go to him and say to him, what does this mean? Now, I don't know if you and me, but I'd have thought that the disciples would have supernaturally just kind of known what it meant. You know, you, if you follow Jesus, you kind of just get it immediately. And interestingly, Jesus turns around to them and he says, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. But I speak in parables, and in other words, the others I speak in parables to. Now, I read that and I thought, well, the truth is that both of them don't understand. Both groups of people, the followers at the moment don't understand because they're having to ask you, but yet you're telling them that they've got the secrets of the kingdom of God. And then the second group of the people who are not going to get it because they're not following. And so we, what we see here is that there are two types of people that are hearing this parable from Jesus, this word has been planted in their heart, but yet neither of them get it immediately. I don't know about you, but in your life right now, your story around your life that's happening, you might not understand what's happening. You might be following God, you might be following Jesus in your life, and you're saying, the story I'm living, it's almost like you're living a parable. In fact, you are a trophy of grace. You are, you are God's parable. You are an example of a spiritual truth. The fact that a life can be transformed, changed, given something new, and you can become a child of God. You're a walking parable. You're a walking story. The problem is sometimes is your story, you don't understand it. You don't understand the life story you're living. And so sometimes when we don't understand, what's the best thing to do when you don't understand what's going on? What's the best thing to do? It's to ask him. It's to say, and we talked about this the other week, about praying, asking God. But there's more to it than that. I really believe that when we spend time in intimacy with him, I put here that greater intimacy gives a greater interpretation. You see, when they get close to Jesus, they begin to understand what the parable means. The truth is this, that when God plants his word in your life and he puts a seed and there's some things you don't understand what he's doing right now, the the way to understand it is to get close to him, to walk with him and to not hear from a distance. You know, just the other night I was in bed at four o'clock in the morning all of a sudden, I hear the alarm going off, an alarm, and this is not my alarm, by the way. I know I've given lots of stories about my alarm going off, but this time, thank you, Jesus, it wasn't my alarm. And so I, I opened the curtains, and I looked through, and I see the car alarm going off next door, and the lights are flashing. This thing was going off, and you know when you're waiting, and then it stops, and you think it's going to start again, and it kicks off again, and I thought, is my neighbor not hearing this? So I've got his number. So I text him in the middle of the night. Because I'm woken up now. And I'm like, Andy, just want to let you know that your car alarm's going off. I send the text and I'm just waiting there in bed thinking, surely he's got the text by now. And the alarm didn't stop. It kept on going and going and going. And I kept looking out the window. No one else seemed bothered. It was just me who were woken up. The next morning I saw Andy and he waved to me. He said, oh, sorry, I got your text, but I didn't hear the alarm. I'm like, are you on a different planet? You've got good double glazing. 
And, and I said, you didn't hear it. And then I realized that they, they've done a loft conversion, so he's moved to the back of the house. He doesn't hear anything that happens at the front. I realized something. That you can hear things from God. The seed of God's word is being planted each week, being released from this platform into lives. It's released through your prayer time. It's released through reading the word each day. Seed is being planted. But do you know something? You can be in the vicinity of something that comes and lands your way. The sound of something. You can be in the vicinity of and not hear it. You can be in, a, in the same vicinity, but not hear it. And the reality is this, it's all about your position of your heart. This story is about the soil and the seed. It's, it's about the seed that's sown and also the soil that receives it. Can I tell you something? There is never a problem with the seed. The seed's perfect. It's always the soil. The soil is the issue. Where it lands is the issue. And I meet many Christians that sometimes it, it, it sounds like they've got a problem with the seed. But it's the soil. It's the soil. It's our, it's our job. It's our purpose to get the soil right to, rele- to receive the seed. Of God's word. And when it does, it's interesting because Jesus says that good seed, he says the seed on good soil, sorry, stands for those with a noble heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a good crop. Can I tell you that salvation, when we know that this is talking about the seed being planted, someone receiving Jesus and people falling away. But do you know something? Salvation is not a one-off event. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Today's the day of salvation. It was yesterday and it will be tomorrow. Because today for you is always you're being saved. You're being saved. You don't know the fullness of the salvation until he returns. But we're being saved. But when the seed is sown, the idea is that you produce crop. You do something with it. That something comes out of your life that you end up being someone who sees fruit. And I want to encourage you today that if in your life right now there are things happening around you, God planted words in you, you had prophetic words, God spoke to you many years ago, you felt that God planted seeds in your heart of hope, of you're going to do this for God, This vision, you're going to see this. I'm going to give you this and the finances will come for you to do this. And some of you right now, you've been sitting on that seed so long, you forgot what it looks like. In fact, you you put your hope in that God was going to release the fullness of that. But over time, it feels like I've lost the ability to believe again. I want to tell you that Satan tries his best to take hold of that seed. To take it from you. And you're saying right now, my story, my life, I don't understand. Jesus, what's going on in the parable of my life? What is happening in my life? i got a hashtag for you. There's more to my story. There's more to my story. There's always more to the story. Whatever story you're in, whatever you don't understand something, go ask Jesus.
Go ask Jesus. Do you know what I love? In this story that we see in Luke 8 verse 1 to 2, it talks about the women. It talks about the women who accompanied the 12 disciples. Here you've got a fine example of the women alone who receive the seed and do something with it. It's almost like you get this, you know, we we hear about the 12 disciples a lot, but these little characters, these characters are added in for us to see something. And it's to see this, that Mary Magdalene alone was set free from seven demons. Seven demons. She was possessed by these, these demonic powers. And Jesus sets her free. So now what she does is she receives the freedom. She receives the power of freedom through Jesus and decides, I'm going to give all my life and I'm not just going to receive that moment, but I'm going to follow this man wherever he goes and I'm going to fund his trip. If you've ever watched Dragon's Den, when they're all lined up and they're they're pitching for who's going to get the deal and the money's next to them, I'm always wondering, is that money real? And they're pitching. And they either say, I'm in or I'm out. Do you know what? They, they saw Jesus pitch. They saw the Son of God pitch what he does. That he has the power and ability to set the captive free. So they watched him. They saw him. And they decided, I'm giving my life to this man. So I receive his words But I'm not just going to give my life to him. I'm going to fund what he does. I'm going to fund him. I'm going to support these people. Not just Jesus. The people he selected. Even though I don't like those those sons of Zebedee. I might give them a little bit less. But they can have a bit of money. And so I'm going to fund what they're doing. Do you know sometimes, just a little note there. Sometimes you're not going to want to give sometimes into church. Because you might not agree with everything that the church does. It's not your job to decide what you agree on. It's your job to fund the kingdom of God. When I've given over the years, I never question it because it's not my job to question. It's my my job to give. To give. It's not mine anyway. All things come from him. He's worthy of everything in our lives. So we've got Mary Magdalene, seven demons gone. She's now, she's been, she has received the word. Satan has not stolen her word. She's now put it into action. Seven demons gone. Now she's tuned into a new frequency. Now at one time she was tuned into the frequency of darkness. At one time she listened to the voices of darkness. Right now she's saying, I'm tuning my life into this man. I'm tuning my life into this person. And I'm going to fine tune everything so I'm bang in line with what he's doing. Then you've got the second person, Joanna, the wife of Chooser, who's manager of Herod's household. Boy, oh boy, Joanna was connected. Well connected. You know, if you're Jesus and you want some secret information about what's going on in in Herod's place, just speak to Joanna. I mean, I said this morning, Joe knows everything in this church. Just speak to Joe. But Joanna, the wife of Chooser, she knew a lot. She was well connected. Well connected. You know, she's well connected to wealth. 
The money she had is the money she used to support. She was well connected. What's another thing that this seed falls on? The, the third seed it talks about. When it lands, it says that the, the, the pleasures of life, wealth, chokes it. She decided not to tune into that kind of thing. And to say, my money that I receive, I give into this. I tune into the frequency of God. Great examples of people who chose to tune in. To God. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will be also. The kingdom of God, it's close, I call it close range communication. If you want to learn things from God, you've got you to stick close to Him. It's not just come to church and then listen online every now and again. It's actually getting close to him, getting close to the body of Christ, as we heard earlier. It's not just a vertical relationship. It is. It's, it's horizontal. It's between us. We encourage each other. It's close range. It's not distant. Some people might not be able to make it to church. Well, God, we, we thank God for the ability to listen online. But for those who can, for those who can, never give up meeting together, says the word of God. So we gain something by spending time together, developing our relationships with each other and with God. The seed that lands on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart. Who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a good crop. I want to ask you, what are you tuned into today? What are you tuned in? What are you hearing when you hear the word? Is it doing something in your life or is it landing and then just bouncing off? You know, my kids, when they get into the car, I put my CDs on and we've got a radio station. There's presets. Soon as they jump in the car, my CD goes off. The radio goes on. They choose their choice of channel. I ain't got no choice. They take control. And if I, if I argue and change it back, it's a second and it's gone again. And they got their favorites. If you notice, number one's always the first choice. We go number one and then we go down the presets. Some of us right now are tuned into other stuff. We've got other favorites instead of God. You're tuned into a shared frequency. You say, I'm dividing my heart amongst these things in my life. These are my favorites. These are my presets. And some of you right now, God is not even on the agenda. So you tune into other stuff. You come on Sunday, you let the seed bounce off and then you go out for the week and you're tuning into all your favorites. God says, I want, I want to be your favorite. I want to be your favorite so that I can reveal to you the plans, the purposes I have for you. It's time to tune out the old and tune into the new. Tune out some of the things of the past that have been gripping you. And tune into the new. It's time to release some of you right now. God has spoken to your life. Prophetic words. And you're saying, I'm not sure this is going to come to pass. I'm here to tell you today, if, it, if it's from God, it will come to pass. His word doesn't return void. It will come to pass. I was at a church meeting the other week and I went up to this gentleman after. He was with his pastor from an Assemblies of God church. And I said, how are you doing? He says, well, I'm, I'm good. He said, I was just speaking to your friend. He said, and your friend's just given me a word and told me. 
that I'm going to jump. He said, I need to jump out of a plane, take a big jump for Jesus, and I'll be okay. He said, I couldn't believe it when he said it. He said, because a year ago, 12 months ago, you came to our church and you prophesied over me that I was going to jump. And if I jumped, God would be with me and he'd help me. And in three months, my life would change. He said, what you don't realize is the day after you gave me that word, I went and handed my notice in. I said, are you okay? He said, well, actually, things have been really, really hard. However, I'm the happiest person. Now I've done it. Some of us right now, we need to take hold of that seed and not hide it any longer. It's time to do something with it. Because the devil wants to steal it. Number one is this. The things we want to look at today is tuning our hearts into God. Number one, develops the faith to believe. The faith to believe. Luke eight twelve says, those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. And what does it do when this happens? So that, so that they may not believe and be saved. John 10.10 10 says the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Do you know something? Many of us are so worried sometimes about the stuff that's happening in our lives. And Satan's done this. Satan's and the devil's doing this in my life. This has happened. I've lost this. This relationship's failed. All these things are happening. And we're blaming the devil. And do you know what the devil's objective is? He's more concerned not about the distractions that you're concerned about. But while you're looking at all the problems, his objective and target is to steal the word. If he can get the word out of your life, then he's no longer Jesus, the Lord of your life. If he ain't the Lord of your life, then you better forget everything else. If, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, then nothing else works. And so what Satan wants to do is bring some distraction and disruption to get you to a place where the seed that's planted, what God is doing in your life, is actually on the path. It describes it on the path. A path is like a surface that it says it's easily accessible for the birds of the air to come and grab it and take it away quickly. So, so what, what, what the devil wants for you is, he wants you to be so distracted by stuff that's going on that actually the seed of God's word lands in places that are easily accessible. In Psalm 119, the psalmist says this. He says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you know what? The unbelief is a sin. Hebrews says that. Hebrews chapter 3, I think it is. It talks about the fact that, that, that it's sinful to have an unbelieving heart. Some of us are thinking sometimes sin's just the stuff that I do that Jesus don't like me doing, don't like me looking at. But actually, to have unbelief in your heart is a sin. And so what, what the devil wants is, if I steal the seed of God's word, 
then I get a place where they cannot believe. Now, this is not just believing for salvation. This is believing for what God's going to do in your life. The seeds that are planted, that God says, you're going to become this. I'm going to release you in this ministry. I'm going to do this in your life. And you're saying, that's just too unbelievable to believe. The seed seems so small compared to what I'm seeing right now. But I'm telling you, what the devil wants to do is to get you into a place where you leave that seed exposed. That it's not buried deep in your heart and protected. That you don't hold it with with such passion. That you say, God, I know you said this. And I know it's going to happen. And it's exposed and the Satan comes and steals it. Satan tried to steal the word from Job. Do you know what he did to try and steal the word from him? He shook his world. He shook it. He didn't go to to, to God and say, you know, I want to go down and I know that if I do this. He didn't say, can I go and steal the word? In other words, he was saying, if I do this, if I shake his life like that, if his flesh is hurt, I know he's going to give up on the word. In fact, he'll be so focused on his problems that he'll leave the word and then he'll end up giving up on you. That's the objective. Satan wants to shake your world so that you leave your seed exposed. It lands on on a path. It lands in an exposed place. The devil only steals what he can get hold of. If he's got it quickly exposed, he'll take it. My, My neighbor who lets his car alarm go off a few years ago, I woke up one morning, he has a lot of problems with alarms. This time he didn't have one. I went around, he said, I've just been burgled. I said, what's happened? He says, come in the house. He took me in the house. The whole house had been cleared out downstairs while they were in bed. That day I bought an alarm. It was fully cleared out. He says, the TV's gone, all the big ticket items, all gone out of the house. The lights left on, all done while they were in bed. And I'm like, wow. And then he realized a little bit later on, he started to look for things. He's going, this is gone. And he, bit by bit, he realized what's vanished. Then he said, I had 350 pounds inside my laptop bag and I hid it in there. He says, and they took the bag. He says, they probably don't even realize there's 350 pounds in the bag. Wow, lost a lot there. Do you know something? Some of us sometimes, we don't hide the word good enough. It's not precious enough to us. The word of God that is released into your life week after week, day after day through the word of God. What God is revealing to you and showing you about your future. It's not precious enough. And we loosely leave it around. We don't bury it deep in our hearts as the most precious thing. And that's when the devil will take it. Because what's not precious to you, he will take. The devil steals only what he can get hold of. How does he do it? Sometimes, some of you right now, you've buried things deep. You have hidden it. It's not hidden well enough. So do you know what the devil does when he tries to get it in that seed form? Because listen to me. If he can get you to give up something in seed form, you don't see sometimes the full, the full capacity of what it can be. If I can kill it off at seed form, if I can kill a word off that they got that prophetic word, they've not even seen the finances come in for this yet. They've not even seen the physicality of this even happen yet. So if I can kill the seed, they'll never believe it. If I can get rid of it. The other day, my, my, my son sent me an invitation from school. 
He's been doing a museum. All They've been looking at the planets and, and volcanoes and natural disasters. And he sends me this invitation. And the invitation said this, I invite you, Dad, to come to the Active Planet Museum this week to come and see my museum. And he said this, he said, the mayor of Cambridge is coming. Woo. Then he said this, he said, if you come, it will change your life. <laughs> like, wow, I'm going. I mean, how could you turn down an invite like that? So I went and apparently he said at the end, he says, we're going to go out at this time. We're going to get the volcanoes we've made and we're going to take them outside and we're going to test the volcanoes. It's going to be a life-changing moment. So I go along and see my son, the mayor's there. I'm chatting away to the mayor and the mayor's waiting and we're all waiting for the volcano eruption. So they line up about 20 volcanoes in a row and they pull out, the, the, the head teacher comes out with about 20 bottles of Diet Coke. And some Mentos, and if you've ever done this before, they put the, they put the Mentos into the Diet Coke, and then it causes an eruption. And I've seen it on YouTube, because everything works on YouTube, doesn't it? You don't see all the things that didn't work. And so I'm waiting, I'm thinking, this is going to be great. My son's there, they've been spending ages making these volcanoes, painting them. The mayor's there, she's got all the gold around her neck. Security guard with her in case anyone steals it. I did try. And she's, we're all watching. I'm stood, the mayor's saying to me, this is amazing. It's going to be really exciting seeing this. I said, yeah. Got my video camera ready. The head teacher fills everyone up with Diet Coke. Then he goes down and puts all the mints in trying to wait for these things to explode. Nothing happened. Is there any scientists in the room? Does anyone actually understand what was happening? Because nothing happened. My son stood in front of his volcano waiting for the eruption. The video, I stopped it. I said, let's start again. So I start again. And I realized... Something was wrong. Normally a chemical reaction takes place. Then all of a sudden, every now and again, one of these little things would just spurt out a bit of something. But I realized something. The, the objective of that, that experiment is that this small little thing is, is put inside that to bring things to the surface. That's what Satan does. He will cause things. He will sow his seeds of doubt, his seeds into your life, to push things out to bring the seed of God's word to the surface so that he can get it. So the pressures he will put, he'll sow seeds of doubt so that the things that you hold on to come to the surface where he can grab them because you're so focused on the trouble. I want to encourage you today to protect and hold what God has said to you because the size of the seed that you have is irrelevant. In fact, do you know some of you right now, you've got seeds and because there's been nothing physical happened yet, it looks invisible. You're having to believe God for a future of what he said. Do you know that Mary, she went over to Elizabeth, who was going to give birth to John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1 verse 44 to 45. It says this, when Mary comes into the room to greet Elizabeth, he says, as soon as the sound of your greeting Reach my ears. The baby in my womb leaped for joy. And then she says, verse 45, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. You see, the reality is this. What happened is, the moment she walks into the room, the moment the sound of her voice 
hits the sound of Elizabeth's ears. The moment that that happens, it causes a reaction. And it causes the baby inside of a John the Baptist to give a little kick. And to leap for joy. And something happens. Because let me tell you. When God's promises. When his word. The seed that they were both carrying inside. They meet each other. There's an expectancy that's released. And it comes to the surface. A chain reaction sends a signal to hell. That you have not destroyed this word. This word will come to pass. And the seed of promise. Is coming. The seed of promise. You know, some of you right now, you're worried about carrying this seed of promise. What God's given you. But he will protect it if you let him. If you give him that ability to help you through your seasons. It's time to release that sound of faith inside you again and stir up your belief. Stir up your belief again. And believe in the promises that he's given over your life. Number two, tuning our hearts into God. Develops a greater endurance. It says this, those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But listen to this, they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. It's interesting here because what we see here is the first stage is seed. The next stage, there's a little bit of growth. But the roots ain't established properly. So what Jesus is saying is this. In other words, if the enemy can't steal your seed, he'll attack the growth. So if, if he couldn't grab the seed in its small, premature form before it's even started doing anything. The, the moment it starts to show signs of change. I'm going to attack The growth. It's interesting that it talks about the fact that it doesn't have any moisture. Do you know some of us right now in our lives, what's happened is we were believing. We were hoping for the seed to grow. We started moving on, but the tests of life, the things that come your way, start to shake you and dry you up. So you no longer trust in the leading of the Holy Spirit. You're you're battered around by the winds of, of life that come and take you through tests that actually right now you're not led by the Spirit. You're led by the, the, the situations that are presented to you. And what happens is this, you dry up. Without the Holy Ghost, you dry up. And you don't grow and you don't establish the roots of what God wants to do through that word. You see, testing seasons always test the root level. Testing seasons always test the root level. So when the tests come, the reality is it's testing what's happening at root. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus spoke about the wise and foolish builders. You're either going to build your your house on sand or a good solid rock. And some of us right now, we... When we're, we're facing life's storms and we're wondering, what's, why is these things being taken from me? Why have I just lost all this stuff in this storm? But I want to tell you, maybe it could just be right now today for you, that the thing that's been taken from you, God wanted to take away. The other day, we've just put our house on the market. I Don't worry, I'm not leaving. 
But the other day I had someone come around the house to look at the house and this gentleman came in and he seemed to know a lot about houses. And, I, and he walked in the house and he's, he was so technical. And I'm like, what do you want to look at next? And he, he walking around the, he's walking around every room like this, tapping the walls. Oh, is there something wrong with the walls? Then he starts kicking the floor. I thought, is he just doing that to show off? Does he really want to do that? And then he said this to me, he said, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah. He said, do you know what the quality of the floor, what's the floor like underneath? And I thought, I have no idea what the floor's like. I never really took much notice. So I just gave him a real technical answer and I just said, yeah, it's just a straightforward wood. And he went, oh, thanks. And he wanted to know what the condition was like because he couldn't see it. He wanted to know what is the condition. He kicked it. He wanted to know. And do you know what? In tests in our life, what's happening is the devil will come with stuff. But it's tr- God will allow it to reveal what your foundation is actually like. He will shake things. He will allow the devil to shake things. So it's this time when the seed of God's word, and listen to me, there are times in my life when the word of God has been planted in me. God has shown me things he wants me to do. He's shown me things that I'm going to do. And right now in my season of my life, it may not seem like it's going to happen, but let me tell you, when everything is shaken and taken away, what it proves is this. That my rock, my foundation is far more valuable than what was built. Hallelujah. It's far more valuable. And so if you're going through a testing season right now. And you're wondering what's happening in your life. And you're saying what's happening in my story. Let me tell you. If you're being shaken, hold on tight. Because the foundation is the most important thing. It's not what's built. The devil can take away what's built. But listen to me. He will never take away what's in my heart. And he can't take it from you. Only if it's pushed to the surface and you disregard it. Keep it locked down. You can take everything. But you're not having this. You're not having this. Hallelujah. It says this. It's interesting that Jesus says they receive the word with joy. Come on. Joy comes from the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that over time joy has gone. What does that tell you? It tells you that what happens is when tests come, what it's trying to do is steal the joy of the Lord. But James chapter 1 says, consider it joy, pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. What does that tell you? It says that when tests come, when the pressures come, when it's testing root level, now's the time to maintain your joy, not release it and let it go. 
Consider it pure joy. So you know, my objective in life right now is this, that whether my house is shaking, whether my life is shaking, whatever's shaking at level ground and coming down and down and down, all I know is my foundation tells me I got joy in the Holy Ghost. I've got joy in the Holy Spirit. And some of you right now, you've been shook down, you're holding on tight, you're holding your seed. But let me tell you, nothing will happen if you trust in the rock of your salvation. Because the enemy can't take it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You only consider trials as pure joy through the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you know that? It's not natural. It's not normal. It is not normal. It's supernatural. To have all things happen like this. To have everything shaken in your life but still be happy. Because it's not about happy, it's about joy. To still have the joy inside. It is not normal. I'll tell you why. Because it's supernatural. It comes from the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. In Nehemiah chapter 2. Verse 12, Nehemiah, he goes to inspect the walls that's been broken to rebuild them. He's got a project. God has planted in his heart a seed. He's got planted in his heart this seed. Here we got it, verse 12. He said, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. So he goes to Jerusalem, and what has he got? An invisible seed. And he walks up, and he goes out. Just him and his, and his horse, he goes there to inspect at night. And he's looking. And what is he looking at? He's looking at the rubble, the burnt rubble. And he's looking at devastation. He's looking at the biggest, biggest test of fire that's come to those walls. He's looking at devastation. And he's looking at the project that God said in his heart. He said, you know, you're going to build this again. It's going to be good again. But it's looking at the rubble and he's thinking of the word. So there's a battle because the seed of God's word tells him that this thing is going to be built again. But the evidence of before him tells him it's not possible. This is just useless burnt stones. It's all devastation from this test. But he gets there and in verse 17, he says this You see the trouble we're in? See the trouble? Jerusalem lies in ruins. My life is in ruins. You see the trouble I'm in? My life's in ruins. Its gates have been burned with fire. Then he says this. Come, let's rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It's like, hang on a sec. It's a bit different to what you just said. You know, the, the, the project analysis of this is not very good. You see the trouble we're in? I'll tell you why. When he looks at those bits of rubble, the first thing you're going to do is start building the base of the wall. You're going to start again. What he understands is this, and this is the difference. Nehemiah has a word in his heart from God. That is the foundation for the build. It's not the rubble. It's not him looking, saying, hang on a sec. 
before I tell you whether we're going to get excited about building, I just need to check if there's any decent stones left. I just need to check if there's any that are not so burnt. So, oh, this one's not bad. Let's keep that to the side. Let's just, once we've determined whether it's actually, let's do a feasibility study. No, he doesn't need a feasibility study. He doesn't need to check whether there's enough rocks to be able to do this. The word tells him in his heart, that's the foundation. And some of you right now, you've got an invisible word. God has spoken in your life. You've got rubble all around you. It's been burnt. The fires of tests. Things in your life have been shattered. But listen to me. It's not about what you see. It's about what you know. It's about what God has planted on the inside of you. Nehemiah first tunes into God's frequency. He tunes in and says, I want to see this project done, but I need, I need what God says, not what I think. So he tunes in. And when he tunes into heaven's frequency... He receives a word that gives him the faith to believe the impossible. Hallelujah. Finally, turning our hearts, tuning our hearts into God. It develops a spiritual freedom. Luke 8, 14 says, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's Worries, riches, and pleasures, and they don't mature. There's three things here I want to just show you again. First is, the devil will try to steal the premature seed, something that's not growing. If he can't get that and you've protected it quite well, he'll attack the growth. If he, if he can't get you at early growth stage, do you know what he does next? And we see it quite clearly here. He shares the soil with you. He shares the soil. The last one does not talk about stealing it. It lets it grow. But the weeds grow with it. And choke it. He will try and share the soil. Some of you right now, you've battled on through. You got through tests 10 years ago. You said, God, I had a seed then. I was carrying my seed through those times in my life and I'm still not seeing the fullness, but then I saw a bit of growth. Now I'm at a stage where I'm getting tired and weary because I can't handle the pressures of life, the worries of life, and all the while the enemy subtly has been growing his weeds around you because life's worries get hold of you. Anxiety takes place. Things that you try to start to look at instead of God. You change the preset on your radio station of life. You say, oh, my favorite is this now because that's what gives me pleasure to keep getting through these seasons. If I can't get through these seasons with God, I'm going to have to choose something that gives me pleasure, whether it's sinful or not. But it will get me through the seasons. And some of us are changing the presets and favorites on our life. And God is not even on the agenda. And all the time, Satan is sharing the soil with you. He's sharing the soil. Because if he can choke you, do you know what happens when someone gets choked? They lose oxygen. He wants to take the air, the life. Out of what you got. That's what he wants to do. Couldn't kill it at seed form. So now, when it's a bit more grown, they think. They think that they're growing amongst other things. Do you know what? In our garden, if weeds come up, I'm not a gardener. 
So I don't know what a weed is. If it's got a flower on it, I'll just leave it there. The reality is some weeds, are, they come up, you don't even know they're a weed. Some gardeners say straight away, you know, that's a weed. Some of us do not realize we've got weeds hanging around us. We've got used to them. Oh, they look nice. They're growing with me. But actually what these things are is they're, they're about to choke the life out of what God has done. Before you know it, you haven't got the strength to deal with them all. Why? Because your focus is no longer on God. Do you know that anxiety and depression, when I've been on the streets and I talk to people and I pray for the sick, anxiety and depression is one of the biggest things that I, I hear people tell me. It's not I've got, I've got a bad leg or a bad back. Anxiety and depression, palpitations, worry. That's our generation. There are a lot of people with bad problems and physical problems. But let me tell you something. I know because I've spoke to lots of people. And I will tell you that majority of people, whether they've got a physical ailment, always tell me towards at some point, yeah, and I suffer with this. And I'm like, wow, this is, our, this is, this is the world we live in. When I was in, in Dartford the other week, I went back to this shop to, some of you may have seen the social media post I put up. But I went into the shop that last September I prayed for a lady. In fact, the video went up last year for that. Went into the shop, prayed for the lady, and she gets healed. So I thought, I'm going to go back and pay her a visit and just ask how she's getting on. I like to test to see whether people are still better or not, because we can give all these testimonies, but the reality is we need to test these things. And so I went back in the shop, and as soon as I walked in, she goes, I remember you. The name of the shop is Toxic Angel. You don't want to be seen in there. How many of you know I'm not bothered about the name? So I went in there and I just said, oh, it's great to see you again. I said, how are you feeling? She said, I'm still better. She goes, since you came, she goes, and you prayed. I've had no pain in my body. I mean, she was had a lot of pain. So I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I said, is there anyone else who needs, who needs prayer? She says, my, my sister-in-law. So anyway, when she gets a sister-in-law and, 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 and says, go into the back room and you can pray for her in there. So she works in the shop as well. Go into the back room and pray for her and she gets healed. Word of knowledge gets healed of a physical pain. And then right at the end, I just felt the Lord speak to me and say, this woman has anxiety and worry over a financial problem that's locked and tied into a house property. And she's so worried about it. Tell her that I know about it and pray for it. So I tell, I give this word. Never met this woman before. And I give this word to her. And she just says, how on earth do you know that? She goes, we have been in problems, me and my husband, with owing lots of money. It got tied and locked into our house. We owe eight, seven or eight thousand pounds left. We haven't got the money. So we phoned up the loan shark yesterday and said, please leave us alone and we'll give you two thousand to settle the bill because we can't afford this. I said, wow. She says, we've got seven days to wait for the answer. I said, right, what's his name? She tells me the name. I says, what's the company? Who have you been borrowing from? I said, right. I want you to close your eyes. We're going to pray right now. So I prayed and I said, God, I pray that this will be loose from them, that, this, that the acceptance of the 2,000 will be taken for the loan shark to, to totally get rid of this problem. How many of you know that God reveals things? And she was just amazed. So much so she walks out of the shop, back of the shop, into the shop, tells her sister, I've just been healed. This guy knows things. She tells her this. They're talking in the shop. I mean, the video doesn't show half of it. Then I said, well, before I go, is there anyone else you want to give prayer for? She said, 
Yes, there's a person who's the cleaner of this whole shopping mall. I said, well, go and get her. So they bring her into the shop. I said, what's your problem? She said, I've got arthritis in in my knee. She said, I've had it for a long time. Pray for her. She said this to me, right? She turned around to me. She said this. She said, I can't walk down a step. And all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and said to me, don't pray for a leg to grow. Don't do any of that. Just tell her that she will walk down a step after you've prayed. Because normally I pray for people's leg to grow something if there's a problem. She, he said, just tell her what she said she can't do. Tell her she will do. I'm like, I can't do that. And I just, I just said it. Oh, Jesus. Please. Come on. Jesus, I need you every moment. And I said, when I pray for you, when you've been prayed for, you will walk down the step. And her face, she just lit up. I prayed, and there was a step in the shop. She got up, and she stepped down it for the first time in nine months. First time in nine months. Her face lit up. She couldn't believe it. She walks back into the shop, tells them, now we got, they're all having a conversation about getting healed. I said, is there any other problem? She said, I've got a problem with my ears as well. So I said, well, I'll pray for your ears. Instead of going back into the, into the back room again, I offered to pray for her there and then. So I'm there in the middle of the shop, in toxic angel, <laughs> praying for this woman. And I had my hands on her ears. I was, I was acting like I was at the front of a big crusade. There's people flicking through trousers and blouses and which size do I need? And there's me in the middle of the shop going, in the name of Jesus, I speak to these ears. Open! In the name of Jesus. There were literally people, women, flicking through the clothes and, and looking over thinking, what on earth is he doing? And then I'm going, can you hear? And we were testing it to the point where she started to say, it feels like all my ears have been washed out. Well, people were turning again and looking. I had a little meeting in Toxic Angel. But why did I tell you that story? I told you that story about the woman. Because I realized that actually I see all these physical healings. But worry is a problem. Anxiety is a major issue. And there are weeds around you right now in your life. That are trying to choke the life out of the word that God planted in you. It's time to let go of them. If you can the worship team back, that'd be great. It's time to let go of them. Some of you right now, you're wondering what is happening in my life. Your faith has been choked by frequency interference. The enemy came in and tried to interfere. Tried to interfere. I put here that heaven's frequency in your life has the power to eliminate hell's interference. Whatever interference has come your way, when you tune in, it's time to fine-tune your life. Back. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And I'm not talking about your physical hearing. I'm talking about your spiritual hearing. Do you know that Jesus went around healing the blind, healing people with problems with ears? Yes, he did these things. But do you know what he always tried to prove? A spiritual truth. That people are deaf to the word of God. People cannot see the kingdom of God. So I'm going to heal them to let them see if I can do it physically. 
Actually, they need to have their spiritual ears opened. They need to have their eyes opened. So that those who are blind can now see in the spirit. Maybe you feel overwhelmed with pressures on every side. Maybe you feel right now that things are trying to choke the life out of you. Sit and share in your soil. He's grown up alongside you. You've been hanging on to that word. But now you feel like stuff's trying to choke the life away from that word, that promise that he said. Do you know something? 2,000 years ago, I've got something to tell you. Jesus Christ came. In fact, he came as a seed in Mary's womb. The promise that we heard about earlier in Luke chapter 1 came as a promise. That seed was carried through all of the turmoil, all of the problems. It grew up, a tender shoot, it grew up and it reached the stage where its purpose and fulfillment, that seed was to grow to an age at the right time, to be surfaced at the right time when the enemy thought he'd robbed the seed. He'd got the seed. Actually, the seed had come at the right time to die for you. It grew up to the point where Jesus finds himself on a cross and he has two thieves next to him. He's now sharing the soil. He's now sharing the soil. He's a rose between two thorns. He's a rose between two things that are totally broken through sin, through the desires of their own lives. And while he's there and he's offering himself, He decides to share the soil with the sinner. Those who are struggling, those people would have suffered with anxiety and worry as they hung on that cross. Nothing left to live for. Then all of a sudden, one of the thieves decides to fine-tune his life. And he tunes back into the frequency. And he says this, hang on a sec. God, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me, Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. You have just tuned in the right frequency, son. In your turmoil, in your test, in your pain, in your suffering, when you were taking all this on the cross, you just tuned into the right frequency. You tuned in. You got it. One of them didn't. He chose to live his life. One tuned in, one didn't. But when you fine-tune in, Jesus came and shared the soil with the sinner. He was a seed that grew up. He proved that it's possible for a seed of promise, just like what's in your heart, can get through all the turmoil when children were being killed. But Jesus still gets through. He gets through because the seed was protected. And it gets to the point where it fulfills the promise. Jesus is a prime example Of the seed landing and producing a great crop. And do you know what that crop is? You. You. Now he asks you to receive his word of his kingdom. So that you can go do the same. You can reproduce. You can produce. It says that it's a good and noble heart that receives it. You retain it. But you persevere. Then you produce good crop. That's what the cross is. That's what Jesus was. He was born. The word was held. It persevered through. Then it produced the crop. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand.
Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.